Hi there, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. And today I'm going to continue on with this study I'm doing about weakness. And I'm looking at power over weakness and how God and how the Lord Jesus have given us power over weakness. So in this session, we look at weaknesses of God. And believe it or not, it says that there are weaknesses of God and the weaknesses of man. Weakness is not a thing to be ashamed of, as we'll see. But it is by weakness that we become powerful in Jesus Christ. So my aim today is to understand that the power of God is strong and his weaknesses are stronger than man's strengths. To recognise it's not shameful to recognise your weaknesses. And thirdly, to see how the Spirit helps us through our times of weakness. So the first scripture I want to go and have a look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will thwart. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now that's an interesting scripture there. The foolishness and the weakness of God is both wiser and stronger than men. And I mean, even God... If he was to say or do something foolish, and I don't know what that would be, I have no idea what his foolishness would be like. I have no idea what his weaknesses might be like. But whatever they are, those things are stronger than the strongest strengths of mankind. And we look at these things, you know, he's talking there about uh, where is the wise man, where is the scribe, where is the debater? Well, a debater is a politician. Whereas the debater of this age has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world. So all these things, and he goes on, he talks about Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. And what we see there is that this is the distinction between Christianity and all other things. Because the Jews, they wanted signs. They were always looking for signs. You know, they had signs. They had the sign at the Red Sea. They had the sign of the pillar of fire and pillar of smoke as they walked through the wilderness. They had the sign of the parting of the waters uh, when Joshua led them into, uh, uh, into the Promised Land at, at Jericho. They've always had signs. And so Jews are looking for signs. They were waiting for the Christ, not realising they'd already missed him when Jesus came uh, 2,000 years ago. And they were looking for signs, and they're still looking for signs. And we read, even on the internet today, uh, you read about them looking for signs. Uh, they're looking for signs of the, uh, the, the coming of the Lord. But Jews demand signs. Greeks, on the other hand, well, the early Greeks, the ancient Greeks, as we know, most of the modern wisdom that we had came from the, um, the mathematicians and the uh, philosophers and the, and the people in the early Greek world. And we see people like uh, Socrates and Archimedes and, uh, and people like that who, who laid down the very foundations of most of our modern thinking, much of our modern mathematics. You know? And some of the things that they, they did and they studied, the wisdom that they poured out there was just amazing and it's still in use today. You think about Archimedes' principle, the, the flotation, you know, that uh, you, the, the mass of something that falls in or drops down into a liquid displaces the same amount of water. And so they use it 
and they put the um, that principle, and then there was a chap called Plimsoll, and they wrote the Plimsoll line on the side of boats, so, so they wouldn't sink boats. So we're still seeing those same principles apply in the modern world today. Jews seek uh, demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. He says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. Well, it's a stumbling block to the Jews because they didn't recognise that he was the, uh, the the Christ or the Messiah who was to come. And it's folly to Gentiles because they think, well, this is foolish. You know, what you're preaching, I mean, how could that actually lead to the things that you, you say it does? How can there be such a thing as a resurrection? How can you receive eternal life through faith? How can you receive forgiveness of sins? How can you be set free from sin? How can you be set free from the law? How can you be perceived as righteous by faith just through believing? They're saying, this is impossible. It can't be. That's what the Greeks say, because they're looking for wisdom. They're looking at science. And we've seen this argument today over and over again. We see the argument between the evolutionists and the um, creationists, and they're saying, well, you know, unless you can prove it with science, it can't be true. And yet there are so many things that uh, they understand and they recognise that they can't prove. I mean, how do you prove something like thought? You can't see it, you can't touch it, you can't feel it, but you know it's there because all of us have them. And yet these were things that were also created. God didn't create man just to be a physical thing. He created him as a spiritual thing. And all of our thoughts and our emotions and our feelings and all of those things that are not part of the science world, they're more part of the arts world, um, these are the things that you can't touch, you can't measure. And so, you know, although they can't measure them, they recognise they exist. Well, why then can't they accept God? Because you can't measure him either, but he exists. Anyway, I'm getting off the track. And he goes on, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And when he's talking about the foolishness, he's talking about the foolishness of believing that uh, in the death of Jesus Christ we could have eternal life. And he says, for consider your call, brethren. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And that's what he's done. Who has he given life to? What does it say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. It's the meek, it's the weak, it's, it's not the, the, the ones who are out there and, um, and forcing their way through the world, it's those who are waiting on the Lord. These are the ones to whom the, uh, the world has been promised, those who are faithful. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God, and no one can boast in his presence. We can't boast in the presence of God because everything that we are, he has made us. And we'll look at this point about boasting in the next scripture, which is in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm going to read from verse 1. I must boast. Well, I did say I was going to talk about boasting, but this is Paul speaking. I must boast. There is nothing to be gained by it, but I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Now this is interesting, because he's saying this man went through this fantastic 
situation, whether it was a vision or whether he was physically taken to heaven and he saw things and heard things that, you know, you just can't even talk about. He says, I'm not going to boast about him. He says, all I will boast about is my weaknesses. I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I wish to boast, I shall not be a fool, for I shall be speaking the truth. But I'll refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. And to keep me from being too elated by the abundance of revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from being too elated. So Paul's talking about his weaknesses here now. He's saying, I'm not going to boast of anything but my weaknesses. And this is one of the weaknesses that he was given. This wasn't even one of the weaknesses that he had. He said, and to keep him from being too elated or to get too, you know, caught up in himself to become boastful. He says, so I don't get too elated by the abundance of revelations. And let's face it, Paul did have an abundance of revelations. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Now, when you read that in the Greek, that word messenger is actually an angel, an angel of Satan. So there was a devilish angel or a demon that was sent to harass Paul. This demon was sent to harass him to keep him from being too elated. So, you know, it was, it was, it was a constant reminder to him of, uh, of what God was doing uh, with him and so that he shouldn't, he shouldn't get too proud or shouldn't get too arrogant and shouldn't become boastful. And he says in verse 8, Three times I besought the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. It's sufficient for us too. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, there's an interesting point there. You know, we're talking about the foolishness of God is stronger than men, is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men uh, in that last scripture. And here we see, he's saying, my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So what we see there is that the power of God is made stronger through weaknesses. Now, you might say, well, how can that happen? And, uh, and he goes on in verse 10, he says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. So he says, I'm content with my weaknesses. You know, he says, I'm not going to beat myself up over them. I'm not going to get all upset over them. He says, I'm content. Because I know that with these weaknesses, you know, God has already said, my grace is sufficient to you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. He says, so I'm content with it, with the insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And you might say, well, how can that be? How can it be, you, you can say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Well, the answer to that comes in the next scripture, uh, which I'm going to go into, which is over in Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to read from verse 26. And it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Aha. Now, here's an indication of what he was talking about when he said God's power was made perfect through weakness and why he was boasting, why Paul was boasting in his weaknesses. He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. So when we don't know how to pray, we can go to the Lord in the Spirit. Now, this relates to people who have the Spirit. And not every Christian in the world has the Holy Spirit. There are many things I can say about receiving the Holy Spirit. 
Um, there are many wrong beliefs about receiving the Holy Spirit. There are those who believe that they receive the Holy Spirit when they first come to the Lord. There are those who believe they receive the Holy Spirit when they're baptised. There are those who don't even believe the Spirit is, is uh, angelic or, uh, or a spirit. They believe it's just a force, like the wind, because they talk about it um, you know, uh, in terms of the wind, as it talks about it in John chapter 3. And there are many strange and, uh, and diverse teachings about receiving the Holy Spirit. But the truth of the matter is, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, if you want to have the Spirit and be able to use the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to change and to be able to come into the presence of God, to overcome weaknesses, then you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I talk about this in other places. If you have a look through my back catalogue of um, podcasts, you'll be able to find it. Or if you go to my website, free gift from God, that's one word, freegiftfromgod.com, and have a look in the search bar for um, uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. Just type that into the search bar on the on the site. You'll be able to find something there. Or you can go and you can have a look in the resources section where I've got some e-books. And I have an e-book there called The Six Foundation Teachings of Jesus Christ. And it talks about all of the foundations and also about how to receive the Holy Spirit. And there's a few other resources I've got on, on my website. Um, there's a Q&A on there that also talks about receiving the Holy Spirit. Um, so if you want to have a look at that, um, then, you know, by all means do it. It's all free. It's not going to cost you anything. So uh, go and have a look at those those things because it's very important. Because as it says here, um, back in Romans 8, verse 26, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not have to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Now, if you haven't received the Holy Spirit, how can the spirit intercede for you? If you haven't uh, received the Holy Spirit, how can the Holy Spirit help you in your times of weakness? And it goes on, it says in verse 27, And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that in everything God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And that's right, in all things God works with his people. And he gives us the Holy Spirit. He will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him for it, and if you come to him in the right way. He will give you the Holy Spirit so that you can receive the gifts and the promises of God. And there are, there are a number of ways to receive the Holy Spirit, but typically there were two ways that the Holy Spirit was received. And we see both of these revealed in the Bible. Um, in modern times, you tend to see one more than the other. But the two ways are the Lord just gives the Holy Spirit, as he did at Pentecost, and as he did when, the, when Peter first uh, preached to the, uh, the Gentiles. He just, the Lord just gave them the Holy Spirit. But the more common way uh, which we see uh, happen is through the laying on of hands by, um, by one of the elders or the apostles. And we saw that in, um, if you have a look in Acts chapter 19, uh, verses about 1 to 6, it talks about uh, when Paul went to Ephesus, he found a group of uh, 12 disciples up there. They hadn't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. They'd been baptised into John's baptism, so, so Paul re-baptised them into the baptism of Jesus Christ. And that's important. That's very important because it's the baptism into Jesus Christ that is the mechanism by which we become new creations in Christ. We die with Christ in our baptism, and uh, when we die, we die to uh, sin, we die to the law, and we're resurrected new creations in Jesus Christ. And that's important because we need to be a new creation. We need to be in the Spirit for the Holy Spirit to be able to work with us. And then we see in, um, 
Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 6, that Paul then laid his hands on the disciples to receive the Holy Spirit, and they did receive the Holy Spirit, and um, it says they, they uh, heard them speaking in tongues and prophesying. And that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. And when we speak in tongues, what that actually is, is the Holy Spirit talking to God on our behalf. And this is how he helps us through our weaknesses. When we are weak, these are the sighs that are too deep for words. In other uh, versions of, uh, of the Bible to what I'm reading, uh, I think in King James Version, it says with groanings too deep for words. And what it is, it's the Holy Spirit speaking, using our tongue to speak to God on our behalf. And it's a form of prayer. And we read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where it says, I will pray with my mind. So that's when you pray using your whatever your own native tongue is. Or, uh, and he says, I'll pray with the mind. And he says, I'll pray with the spirit. And when we pray with the spirit, we're speaking in tongues to God. So I got a little bit off track there because what I'm talking about is weaknesses. But we need to understand these things because when the spirit helps us in our weaknesses, one of the easiest ways to do that, one of the easiest ways to walk in the spirit is if we're being tempted, is we go to God using the power of the spirit by speaking in tongues. We can talk to God and we can pray in the spirit and we'll feel that temptation or whatever it might be, a depression, it might be anger, it might be uh, anything else. It might be a, a direct temptation of something that, that tempts you. You know, you might be tempted with alcohol or cigarettes or drugs or whatever, and you will feel that temptation will leak away from you as you continue to, um, to pray in the Spirit. So, a couple of things for you to consider. Can you see now that God is so great that even his weaknesses, if he has any, are vastly more powerful than man's greatest strengths. And do you also understand that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can seek God and we can overcome our weaknesses, even when we do not know what to pray. We can hand it over to the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues. So here's a prayer point now. Ask God now to help you in your weakness. Seek him to show you the path from weakness to his power, to his strength, and thank him for the strength that he gives us when we lean on him in our times of weakness. And that's the other thing. When Paul said, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. How? Because he is leaning on the power of God. He's leaning on the Lord, on the power of the Lord, on the power of the Holy Spirit to gain strength out of weakness. So that's it for this session. Until next time, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off. And I hope that you have a great week ahead. And I look forward to being with you again at the same time next week. God bless you. Oh,